Hey everyone, welcome to a very special episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. Today I'm talking to my friend David Leibovitz, one of the most successful food bloggers of all time, who recently announced that he's switching to a Substack newsletter, and I wanted to talk to David all about that decision. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with David Leibovitz. All right, David. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on to talk about newsletters and food blogs. But before we get to all that, how are you doing? Um, good. I'm admiring all the citrus behind you um, oh, in Los yeah. Angeles um, and the sun coming through your window, even though you said it's gray. It is gray, but I have so much citrus and I don't want to make curd. I don't really use curd, even though I've made it before. So what on my violin. <laughs> what would you make if you had a if you had a surplus of lemons and oranges? Well, I make a lot of sorbets with things. Um, I like making whole lemon bars using entire lemons. Mm. Um, those are it's a really good way to use some lemons. Um, do you have a recipe for that using the whole? Lemons? I do. It's on my blog. I used to have a blog. <laughs> good segue. Remember Adam when we had blogs? <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's a perfect segue. So yeah, I wanted to have you on because I, <laughs> I, I've read your latest dispatch or maybe it was like the previous dispatch where you sort of talked about transitioning from um, food blogging into newslettering. And I myself have weirdly like made the same transition sort of like accidentally by just sort of maintaining my food blog I'm mean, sorry maintaining my newsletter and stopping my food blog but now I'm like full force enjoying Substack so I, I thought maybe I'd start by asking you about that decision and where it came from well at, <clears throat> you know a little background as you know um, as people who are listening may or may not know you know you and I sort of started blogging um, I was in 1999 and you were around 2003 and it was a different ball game. Then uh, it was a different field. There was seven people, blog, you know, literally you could count <laughs> like blog rolls were like, Oh, there's an, okay. I'm going to add a fourth person. <laughs> and I had a newsletter beginning in 2006 that I sent out every month. Um, because one thing, you know, websites, blogs depend on, you know, people finding you getting readers, but people sign up for your newsletter. So they really want to hear from you. They want your email, which is unusual in the world. People want your email. Adam. Yeah. I want your newsletter. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> Thank you. Same. <laughs> so I, um, I, you know, I kind of was looking how blocking was changing and it changed a lot in the past five to six or seven or eight years. Yeah. And I was like, well, I kind of want to go back to what I was doing back when you were, blogging. And mm -hmm. when I was, you know, when things were different, it was a little more freer. Um, it was a little more free form, mm -hmm. not as structured. Yeah. We, had, we have some pretty bad photos on our old blog posts. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny because you wrote a, um, a recent newsletter that was about getting a colonoscopy and, and uh, well, no, you did. I mean, you put it out there. I didn't make you write it, but I felt like that yeah. was an ex example of the kind of free freedom that you probably feel in a newsletter versus what you would probably put on your blog. I can't imagine you would have done a post about that, but, um, but putting it in a I newsletter. Yeah. I wouldn't have on the blog because it's actually a serious subject and I, yeah. you know, tried to inject some humor into it and talk about some of the interesting things that you have to eat and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, but when you put it out on a blog, it's for anyone to read and for anyone to comment on. 
And you start getting all these people saying, well, you shouldn't do that. It's very dangerous. Um, So-and-so, my cousin had a, whatever, that operation and, you know, her Mm -hmm. head fell off afterwards, you know, and you just, there's a (laughs) lot of stuff out there. And it's like, you know what? I like having a dedicated audience to people that, you know, I have a paid version of my newsletter and a free one. And I like them both on the paid one. You know, we can be more, um, we have people that are very invested in us. And I don't mean that in a financial way, but (laughs) they really want to hear, like they want to engage with us and we, and we can tell them more personal things about our lives. Totally. And I I loved reading. I mean, it was like, wow, this is so, you know, this is unexpected, but specific and surprising. (laughs) Um, But, but that's, what's great about it. And I I want, I was curious if you could talk. So I, I mean, in terms of my own journey, you know, I had my food blog, I started 2004, we moved to LA 2011. You're going to tell me about your colonoscopy. And like, I don't have I need to, I should probably get one. Um, turning 43. So you're supposed to, um, but I, around, let's see, 2015 or yeah, 2015 was when I started working on a TV show and I kind of turned my back on my food blog. I was like, you know what, I'm done with this. And I think it was partially because I was getting frustrated with some of the same things you were talking about, about people, there was something about putting a blog post out there and the scrutiny that it would bring just like, oh, who, who do you think you are? And how dare you try to make this recipe? You know, you don't even know what you're doing. You know, how do you, how could you write this about this restaurant? And I think there was some relief in stepping away for a bit, but then a couple of years later, I really missed it. And so going into the newsletter route felt better to me for those same reasons that, um, I was able to just sort of write to people and tell them what I was cooking and n- nobody was writing me nasty emails back. Um, it was a, a turning point for you, I remember, when you had your blog. And in the old days, in those days, there was a thing, everybody was like, how do I get more traffic? How do I get yes. more traffic? And it was like, have better pictures. And I remember you went out and <laughs> bought a really nice camera and you worked on your photography and you had better pictures. And then you stopped your, and you, cause you said something along the lines of, you know, that's not why I got into this. Yes. Um, and you went back and it was much more fun. You yes. were having fun again. You weren't worried about the photos. And that's kind of explained. I can see why you moved into the newsletter space. Yeah. Well, in terms of that part of it, I'm very curious if you could talk about it. Because I think a lot of people don't know in terms of what's it called? SEO and, um, you know, time, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all that all that stuff what's that goes on behind yeah. Well, behind yeah. the scenes stuff that you were, I mean, you really had to get into it. I never really went into all the like Google recipes and like entering the, all the data and all that stuff. I feel yeah. like, it, I mean, you, you've talked about in your newsletters or in your blog, how exhausting that is, but maybe you yeah. can talk a little bit about the kind of work you were doing behind the scenes that people don't know about. Well, it's a, it's a very long, you know, involved discussion, but basically uh, people might not know this when you put a recipe on the internet, like chocolate brownies, Um, There's all these fields you fill out. You have to um, put the ingredients in a certain category in a list. And it's like a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And that's what Google will crawl your recipes and list them. Um, If you don't do it, it won't. Um, And I was like, I resisted that for years. because I'm like, I'm not writing recipes for Google. And then I realized, well, I'm writing all these recipes and people can't find them. Mm -hmm. So I started adding all these, you know, recipe plugin and all these other things and it, that became about 80 so percent of building a blog post. It was no longer all about writing and doing the recipe. 
And then it also all that stuff just became rote. It felt like homework rather than, um, you know, writing. And, you know, I was missing the joy of cooking and baking mm-hmm. and sharing things about Paris. And one of the things at Substack, um, they have a slogan somewhere buried in their whole uh, philosophy. It's like, we take out the hard parts so you can just write. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense because when we were blogging, you know, back in the old days, when you would blog, I mean, there was, we had to code in things, but before SEO and all that stuff. So all of a sudden I felt like I could write more again you know, Instagram kind of gave us that break too. It was like, you know, I can just post a picture and a caption. Mm-hmm. I don't have to write a blog post anymore. Um, yeah. But for you, it must've been a challenging transition because you've built up such an impressive blog with such a big following. And, you know, and I Im- imagine to sort of not step away, because I imagine you're still going to put stuff on there, but to sort of make this transition is, does it feel like you're leaving behind like this giant edifice that you've built? Well, you know, I was, you know, one of the things that when I started my blog, well, actually, when I, when I moved to Paris and was continuing my blog, building, you know, I was using it to put places in Paris that nobody knew about, like Mm -hmm. small bakeries that um, the media wasn't, you know, talking about. I remember when I proposed doing some articles about new bakeries in Paris to some of the food magazines in America, they said, well, will you write about La Durée and Pierre Hermé? And I said, well, you know, those are great places, but everybody already knows about them. And there's this little bakery down the street by the pastry ex pastry chef from the Bristol hotel. And it's a neighborhood bakery. And everyone, he has these amazing macaroon, madeleines with broiled lemon on, you know, they're just amazing. <laughs> And they weren't interested. So I started writing about them on my blog. And it's a pretty, you know, it's a small part of the search engine pie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more people looking for, you know, chocolate brownie recipe than a little bit, you know, they're not searching Google, like little bakery in Paris, you know, in the middle of right. nowhere, amazing Madeleines. So, yeah. but I also, you know, people were coming to Paris and they sort of started looking to me as a reference. You were the because- original Emily in Paris. Um, without the outfits and my neighbors weren't very hot. I didn't have any hot neighbors. Um, unfortunately, yeah, Yeah. Um, I haven't watched that yet, but have you watched it? I have. What do you think? Um, well, I hesitate to say anything because my books are being adapted for a TV series. So anything I say will be held against me. Um, (laughs) Like they're like, well, he said he didn't like this or he liked this. Right. Right. Yeah. The same director or something. My biggest, um, uh, discussion point I want to make about the show is, you know, they were criticized a lot for not letting, not having, she's, she showed a very small slice of Paris and um, it's a very special, small part of Paris. And they said, well, okay, next season, she's going to get out more. She's going to, you know, see more of Paris, she's going to stretch, you know, uh, explore more things, more neighborhoods. And it didn't seem to happen. And I just thought, well, there's so many opportunities to in Paris. There's like outside off the beaten track mm-hmm. that um, are funny. And I mean, I, you know, I have the least aspirational life in the world. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not Emily in Paris. I'm, I'm not like most of the other Paris writers. People who write about Paris tend to um, write about the fancy stuff when I write about the daily stuff. Mm-hmm. So I wish that they would let her um, 
do a little more. But as a journalist friend of mine here in Paris explained, she goes, well, people don't really want to see that. They're, there's not a big audience for it. Yeah. Real, well, they want to see her hot neighbor without his shirt on. <laughs> well, it comes full circle because it sort of sounds like Emily in Paris is the lottery and Pierre Hermé show where your, um, your food blog was the more specific and off the beaten path place to go. Well, you, so, know, well, you know, we all have our niche and Emily has her niche mm -hmm. um, and I don't begrudge anybody in the show. Yeah. I just, I just think that there's um, some situations um, and people, you know, in France, people were criticizing the stereotypes of French people in it. And in America, I was like, well, there's some stereotypes of Americans too. Mm -hmm. um, usually stereotypes don't just come out of thin air. Um, someone doesn't just invent them. They usually have some basis in reality. Um, and I think those are funny. Like I love Emily's French boss and she's a little like, they really push the French stuff. Uh -huh. um, but I mean, I think she's funny. I love that, that she's a great actress. Yeah, and she's fantastic, and she's like bossy. And you I know. need to watch it now. Okay, you've convinced me. But to go back to food blogging for a second, okay. I'm curious if um, <laughs> you felt that like when you were talking about Google recipes and putting your stuff on there. I mean, I go on Google now if if, if I need to make something like actually like stuffed cabbage. Like you know, I, I've used your recipe. I'm sure you have one on like Dory Greenspan's, but. Oh, you don't have one. Okay, maybe it was Dory Greenspan's, but I went on Google and I typed in stuffed cabbage recipe. And it's just the things that come up are just sort of inane at this point. It's like none of them look good or they just sort of felt generic. And like, and you see those food blogs where it's like they check every box. They have the beautiful picture. They have the little essay. They have the little square with all the dietary information, you know, and it's yeah. like, it almost almost feels useless. But like, I guess my question to you is like, when did that happen? Because it used to be if you Googled the recipe, you get some good results. I, I actually don't know. And that's a good question. Somebody once told me that people are writing for Alexa and Google voice mm -hmm. because I see these, you know, that used to be this people used to sort of criticize bloggers. It's like, get to the recipe. Mm -hmm. um, and I always thought they were talking about you and me um, <laughs> or like, no, you're interesting. It's like a lot of people have this blah, blah, blah stuff. And I don't want to put anyone down because um, we all do our own thing. And there's obviously like Emily in Paris is a market for her and a market for me with the neighbors, you know, stealing my plants um, <laughs> and so forth. Um, but there's these things now they have and people list the ingredients. They're like water. Water is necessary for cooking the pasta. Salt. <laughs> salt adds a salty flavor to the food. And there's like some sort of rubric somewhere. Yeah. That people fill out to make your recipe more Google friendly. And it, um, it's just not interesting to me, but the pictures, yeah. people are such good photographers. I have to say, I see these blogs and the photos are spectacular. You're and being I'd too like, nice. I think you're being too kind. I think these blogs are horrible. Like whoever is doing these blogs where it's like, you know, water, you have to put water. I mean, it's, it's like, it hurt, hurts my brain to look at that. It's like, and it gives bloggers a bad reputation because it's like, you're writing these beautiful essays about some cookie that you made or something, you know, it's like, I want to read that, but it's like, they're clogging up the works with this like Google yeah. stuff and well, it's I, terrible. Well, I once wrote a blog post and I talked about how Google tells you in the first paragraph to load it with keywords Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, this family friendly macaroni and cheese will have your whole family loving this family friendly macaroni and cheese. <laughs> right. And so I wrote that and I just, and 
it actually made it to the top of like the Google. My recipes never make it to the top of Google. And that recipe made it. To really? Because you did the thing. So like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess I, I guess that makes me wonder, like, did writing for Google change your writing style? And does Substack give you an opportunity to change it back to what it was before? Um, neither of those things. Um, <laughs> I've often said to people, you know, the thing is people want traffic. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know this, but, you know, a blog makes money because it has ads on it. Right. And the ads, you make more money the more times people click on your site. So people are getting people to go to their blogs. And same with me. I'm not, um, I should say, we are getting people to come to our blogs. And that is a source of revenue. Right. Um, on the other hand, I often tell people, like, I'm an author. And I'm like, you know, it's better to have 10 readers and 10 of those people buy your books than 10 million and five of those people buy your books. Mm -hmm. Totally. So, as you know, as someone who's blogged a long time and also has a newsletter, um, you want to engage with people. It's mm -hmm. it's first of all, it's fun. Um, it's nice to meet great people. You know, you and I met. Um, we also met a lot of other people along the way. Mm -hmm. But we've met great people. We've made great connections, and those are more important to me than having a lot of people just stop by. I love mm -hmm. my readers, as you know, you know, when you have commenters, people, you learn things from them. They're like, well, my mother makes it this way. And, you know, it's actually quite good. And, you know, those yeah. it's interesting. There's a musical called Title of Show that was on Broadway. And it's about these guys working on a musical. And there's a song in it that basically goes like, I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than 100 people's ninth favorite thing. And I always think yeah. about that and sort of like, yeah, I'd rather be like have a small niche audience that likes what I do than to try to do something really broad and big. So I'm curious in terms of, of the post that you did where you talked about maybe doing more Substack newsletters than doing the blog. How did that go over? Um, well, I was a little worried, you know, I, I've been, I moved to Substack. A lot of people don't realize when you have a newsletter, you pay the service to send it out. Mm -hmm. And I, I added mine up once and it was like $7,000 a year. I was really? like, oh, oh, that, that was like, that's like two trips to Hawaii. Yeah. Like round trip. <laughs> totally. Was that, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't Substack, right? That was um, another service. It was a different newsletter service. Right. I think I was and, using that one too. And it was expensive. Yeah, and it kept, I mean, I was like, well, you know, I don't, I don't begrudge people charging what they charge. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I'm like, well, they're just sending something out on the internet. <laughs> it's not, you know, right. I'm doing all the work here. But anyhow, so Substack came along and their whole model was different. And they said, you know, we're free. And, you know, what we can, what we offer, um, you know, reader, what you offer readers is a pay, a free version and a paid version. And I've actually spent a lot of time talking to them about it because I didn't, I don't like to just move, you know, for the sake of whatever. Um, but I also think it's important to move to be an adopter, early adopter, do what you love as well. Um, I don't love doing, I love doing videos, but I don't have the talent, so I just don't do it. But that's not um, true. You did your Instagram lives and set the world on fire. Well, but that's Instagram, you know, you just press a button that you don't have yeah. to edit. I tried yeah. to edit once one 20 second video and I was on, like, it took me eight hours. I couldn't yeah, figure it out. I hate that stuff too. I've been trying to do TikTok, but I don't know if I like it yet. Well, I have to talk to you about one of your, your last, one of your recent Instagram videos, but I just want to finish what I was oh, yeah, saying. Yeah, please, yeah, please finish. Sorry. Okay. So no, but I do want to tell you something. Um, I, um, I talked to them a lot about it, about Substack and they go, well, our philosophy is put your best content for free. 
um, always put that out there for free, make that free. And your most dedicated readers, you know, people who want to support you will subscribe. Um, and you know, we're, you and I are not like hard sell people. Mm -hmm. Um, on the other hand, I like that, you know, have a free option and then have a paid one that people who want to pay will do that. Um, Absolutely. And it's interesting because with my Substack, I just thought of it as a journal um, for the last, like basically as long as I've been doing it. But recently I started putting recipes in my Substack. Like, you know, now I start with a recipe, then I go to a little thing about a restaurant and then I do the rest. And I just like, here's everything else. And it changed everything. I got so many more subscribers. I was like, okay, like I still have to give people something, you know, people want yeah. some kind of content um, that they can use and then they'll read, you know, so it, it was an interesting lesson in like, yes, this is a nice change from blogging, but that some of the things that were true about blogging are still true, which is that people want value in what you're sending them, you know? Um, they do. People want recipes, you know, recipes have become currency. Everyone's like, can we have a recipe? Do you have a recipe? Is there a recipe for that? Can we get a recipe? It's recipe. It's like, you know what? There are, you know, there's joy of cooking has, you know, 4,000 recipes in it. Like every, you know, the gourmet cookbook. Um, people want a trusted recipe from someone they know. Um, but you know, everyone's like recipes, recipes, recipes. And I like doing recipes, but I found that with my blog, all I was doing were recipes because mm-hmm. that's mostly what people wanted. Right. And what I learned going to Substack is people don't necessarily, um, maybe recipes are better for SEO, for you know people looking for a macaroni and cheese recipe. But um, like the story about um, having a colonoscopy and I don't want people to get weird about it because I didn't talk about like what you know, the whole philosophy. Yeah. He had a whole video. A- he actually posted yeah, the video. No video. <laughs> That's a TikTok. I, it's set to some Drake song. It's great. <laughs> but, you know, a lot, I, I can't tell you how many that, you know, the open rate on that and the, yeah. the people who liked it was through the roof. Yeah. I liked so, it. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, we don't all have to be, we're not recipe machines. Um, I think, I like presenting recipes, but to me, the story with the recipe is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I like telling the story, you know, like when I was, yeah, I won't, I won't go down that, but I do want to say you recently did a, um, an Instagram reel where you just talked about making a cake. It was a voiceover and your voice was so good because it's, there's something called ASMR and no, it's like CBD. <laughs> no one can explain to me what it is and what it does. Uh huh. It was like very soothing to watch you do that. When I made the cake, you mean the bun, bun cake? Yeah. The, oh, you thank you. You kind of stay, you're like, oh, you know what? The cake is like falling out of my hand and it's burning yeah. me. I got to hold the camera. So yeah. just hold on to say it's like. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I, I bought a, um, a, Craig makes fun of me a lot, but I bought this like, piece of equipment I don't even know what it's called but it's like a it's a combination between like a selfie stick but it's like computerized and it like and moves around and it's not a dongle but something like that and anyway I spent like $200 on it and I I played with it like all of last year to try to set up videos for myself and it was so much work and then now with that bunt cake video is like I'm just gonna hold my phone and just like literally like hold it in my face and it's so much easier yeah. I think NG uses, I think he uses a GoPro attached. I know to it. I'm not good at gadgets. I think I just need to just like hold my phone, do it like the kids are doing and hope for the best. I mean, are you, have, I think you might've done a TikTok or two. Do you do TikTok? No, 
No, I haven't. And somebody was someone who's like a big TikToker is like, you would be so popular and so forth. And I kind of looked at some of them and it was funny, but it looked like it required a lot of creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you have to be thinking like, okay, I'm going to cut an apple. How can I make a story out of this? Right. Um, And I just thought, you know, it's, I'm already doing enough. Um, So I, you know, I gravitated when Snapchat started, I went to that Uh and it was great because it was like really unpolished. Like, you know, you could have like, you know, frosting in your hair and nobody cared. You're just like, Hey, everybody. (laughs) People would love that. I think that's, I think that's true of TikTok. I mean, my impression of TikTok is the people who are the most successful at it are actually like the most amateurish in a way. It's like just people at home doing a dance with their mother or like, you know, just something silly. But yeah, I also feel so old when I go on TikTok. I'm like, I am too old. I mean, just seeing like 14 year olds and 50, it's like, okay, this is not for me really, but maybe, maybe, I, maybe I need to change my mind about that. I don't know. Well, it was funny. Cause when I, when I joined Snapchat, I thought, okay, I am ruining the whole age average for the whole platform. Mm. Cause everybody was like, you know, 19 yeah. or 24. <laughs> I mean, and Snapchat I like, now is like, what is Snapchat? It's, it doesn't feel like anyone really uses that for for food media, do they, or they do? Not really, but my friends have teenagers and they're like, they're on it all the time. Yeah, so. it's so funny how that works. It's like, yeah, Craig has a, a sister whose uh, boyfriend's daughter was constantly on Snapchat at Christmas like a couple of years ago. And it's like all she was doing, I was like, oh, this is like a subculture that I don't understand. But back to food blogs to bring this full circle. I mean, what, what do you think is the state now, if you're doing a state of the union address of food blogs? I mean, what is a food blog in 2022? Um, you know, it's difficult to say. Um, I think I was, there's very few people. Um, well, I might be, I'm trying to figure out how to say this correctly. There's a lot of people doing these, and you don't agree with me, but these beautiful blogs about food, um, and recipes. And I'm not just talking about like cakes stuffed with M&Ms and, you know, donuts, stuffed Oreos, deep fried people doing beautiful Middle Eastern food. Right. Um, I like that. I like something specific. Korean food. Um, You know, you see these. Yeah. I mean, are there certain ones you want to call out as being among your new favorites or ones that you visit um, nowadays? It's hard. You know, I, I I don't have them in front of me, um, Right. but um there are, there are several and I don't want to say one or two and not get them. Right. You know? Okay. Fair if enough. I was better prepared, I would um, talk about them, but um, I could make a list, but some of them are really good and they're very good. They're instructional. They have, you know, step-by-step photos and they're helpful photos. They're not like, you know, I'm pouring cream, you know, mm-hmm. you know adding salt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to do. Hey. <laughs> well, you know, like Reed Drummond, the pioneer woman, when she started, that's what she did. And people sort of, a couple people were making fun of her. And I said, well, you know, a lot of people actually want to see somebody pouring cream because people will say yeah. that, you know, you know, you have a block. People are like, well, when you pour cream in, do you pour it right from the carton or do you pour it in a measuring, you know, mm-hmm. and a photo is, you know, people say yeah, it's a photo of chopped onions. Like, yeah, but it shows people how big the onion should be chopped. Yeah. So. Even salting. I mean, like when I, I did a video recently where I was like putting greens into a soup, I think, and I, and I got a shot of me like putting the salt on the greens because I was like, you know what, like I season, I, I'm sure you do too, like season every step. But I think if you don't show that, sometimes people wouldn't necessarily do that. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's good to just go 
specifically. So, but you're saying so that there are still food blogs and you have a list, but um, that you enjoy and you read regularly. Um, there are, you know, it's hard to read them now because they're like, when we started blogging, there was something called an RSS reader yes. and people subscribe to an RSS and you would just open that mm -hmm. and then all the blogs would be in there. And some people still use them. But when I redesigned my blog about eight years ago, my web designer, she's like, nobody uses that. You're like a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. A couple of people do use those still, but not, it's not like it used to be. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to, you know, the, and, you know, going back to newsletters and Substack, um, Sorry, you know, the thing about like a blog, like <laughs> you would subscribe to a blog, like, but you would get like a, you could get an email when it was updated, uh -huh. uh, which was great, but otherwise you didn't know. And you had to depend on social media, someone like putting their, you know, like Deb Perlman's been kitchen. It's like, oh, Deb just posted a picture of, you know, butterscotch lasagna and i want to see, i want to see what she how she made that and if she's watching i know she didn't make that but i just <laughs> sounds like it would go viral i think somebody needs to make it but yes uh -huh. yeah An upside down um, butter <laughs> lasagna with salted yeah. butter caramel rum sauce uh -huh. um, <laughs> yeah and then, then i'd go to her site and read it but if the algorithm decided you know what i don't want it we don't want to show david that because he's whatever then i would never know so the good thing about the newsletter is you subscribe and it comes to you mm -hmm. i would get it you never miss a post right yeah i mean it's so funny i have on my um safari like in my like little folders i have a food folder and it's david Leibovitz, smitten kitchen the wednesday chef eater <laughs> And I literally like manually every morning, I click David, I click Smitten, I click Wednesday Chef and I just do it. And it's kind of like soothing. Like it kind of takes me back to the old and older days, but, but it is funny. Like, you know, there is a certain, like with, with Louisa and the Wednesday Chef, I love when she does a post because it still feels like a old fashioned food blog post. And it's, and it, and it feels like what it always was, which is a personal dispatch which was sort of like what orange jet was doing i don't know i don't think she does her blog anymore as no. unless i mean no she doesn't but, but um, is a very good writer too yes i love her writing and i think louisa embodies that in original spirit of food blogging which is like this is a little corner of the internet where i'm gonna share this these this part of my stuff from my life and here's some pictures and here's a little yeah. there's a recipe and you don't have to well, that was the great thing about the, the blog world back then is you mm -hmm. had people like you you were in new york you were writing these sort of um not gonzo but you were like having <laughs> this you know it's like a, i'm having a dinner party and i made this i made so-and-so's you know um, right. meringue cake um then you had clotilde de soulier in paris writing about you know, French things from a French point of view. Um, you had me in Paris, you had Louisa who was living in New York, then she moved to Berlin and mm -hmm. so forth. And people in Matt Armendariz in Los mm -hmm. Angeles. And I think people were sort of invested in us. Mm -hmm. um, it was like when you moved to LA, I remember people were, you know, it was <laughs> up like, in arms. Was, yeah. The whole internet like stopped and, you know. <laughs> yeah, like five people were very upset. Yeah, um, yeah, I know it's true. And it, it does feel... And, and, and a kind of an interesting way, it also feels like the, the people who are at the, the center of the food world now in a weird way has shifted more to YouTube in some sense. Like, I feel like there's a whole cabal of like YouTube personalities now of like Claire Saffitz and Alison Roman. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a world of things that 
or if, uh, it's an audience that I don't actually know much about. It's just like capturing an audience via YouTube yeah. just feels like its own thing. Um, I don't know that much about YouTube. People are like, you should do YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And once again, people don't realize like to do a video, you, you know, you can put the camera in front of you and set it up and make it show how to make a salad. But mm -hmm. if you're going to make like a cake, you've got to have like the cake already done, you know, mm -hmm. if, unless you're going to do a lot of editing. And Claire Saffitz, um, who I met when I was in New York, and mm -hmm. I have to tell everyone she's lovely. Yeah. I thought, you know, usually like people try to get away from me as soon as possible. <laughs> um, we spent like eight hours together. Oh, wow. I love her videos. I think she's great. Yeah, she's great. And her book is great, too. When I got her book, I was like, wow, she really worked on this book. But she became a star through um, her Bon Appetit videos. Right. And I, did, I didn't watch a lot of those videos. Um, just it's I don't watch videos that much. I'm not. It's like sitting on the couch watching a 20 minute video. Mm -hmm. And then you have to watch and I get it's, it's like it stresses me out because I have to watch all the, you know. But it's interesting because those characters on those Bon Appetit videos before everything crumbled were sort of like what the, the way you describe the food bloggers from the initial generation of food bloggers. It was like people that the audience felt like they were friends with, like the, the Bon Appetit test kitchen had all these personalities that were all hanging out and it was Claire and it was um, Carla Laley music. And, you know, just that everyone's like, oh, these are my buddies. And, and so it's interesting to see how that transitions. And I think TikTok might be the new version of that. Um, so, you know, uh, but newsletters back to that, and we, we can end on this note, but um, it feels like is, a, is another intimate way to stay connected to an audience that still has, legs and still feels vital and, and exciting right now. Although there's so many people starting newsletters that it's, I think there's going to be a moment where it's going to be overwhelming I think, for people to. Well, I think it will be, but as you, you know, I remember when blogs started and my friend, I had a lot of friends, I was a cookbook author before I was a blogger. Right. Um, all my, my friends who were cookbook authors were writing to me, like I was getting all the emails, like mm -hmm. my publisher said, I need to start a food blog. So mm -hmm. what do I do? And I'm like, okay, this is the fourth email I got about this today. Um, and then they would start their blog and it was like, hi, my publisher said I had to start this. So I guess here it goes, everybody. <laughs> right. And they would do like three blog posts and then you'd never hear from them again until maybe mm -hmm. their next book came out or whatever. Right. Um, and they don't realize it's a commitment and people it's longevity. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a, you know, um, and I think that's going to happen maybe with newsletters. I think people are going to realize, um, first of all, you can't get into these things for the money alone. Mm -hmm. um, even writing a cookbook. I remember Flo Breaker, who was um, one of the most amazing people and a baking author extraordinaire. Um, when I asked her, I'd never written a book. And I said, well, you know, you must, your books must do well. She'd be like, it's not my ship. I said, what do you mean? She goes, like when your ship comes in, um, <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think a lot of people don't understand that. I mean, I've learned that the hard way. And I remember when I did my first book, I was like, I'm going to be rich now. I mean, this is it. Like I sold a book and I'm going to retire young and I'm going to, you know, live in a palace and like, oh, wait, no, not at all. And in fact, I got my advance for the first book and I spent it all almost, you know, it's like, oh, like fancy dinners and stuff. And then I had to pay taxes on it. And I was like, oh, wait, I should have thought about that. So yes, you don't get rich necessarily writing cookbooks. Um, I mean, one of the cookbooks I wrote, I remember I got, you know, a very low advance. It was like a low five figure advance, um, you know, and, you know, it took me a year to write the book. Um, ingredients, you know, 
taxes, your agent, you yeah. know, recipe tester stuff, and it goes away. Uh, but you know, you have something to say when you write a book. And mm-hmm. you know, the good thing about the newsletter is there's really no cost to get in. So a lot of people are jumping in. When you have a blog, you know, in the old days, there used to be like these formats like blogger, blogger um, mm-hmm. where you could just sign up, but you were on their platform. And it's the same way with Substack, although mm-hmm. Substack will let you, you can download your whole newsletter if you decide to close yeah. it up. Um, but there's less of a commitment and it's free. Um, mm-hmm. And it's fun. So people like Andy Ricker, who had mm-hmm. Pock Pock restaurants, started one. Um, and, you know, a lot of other people, I'm not I'm just yeah. saying Andy. Well, like Ruth Reichel has one now. It's, it's fun to read. Um, she has like vintage menus on it and like old articles yeah. that she shares. So, um, well, so what? what is, as a final question, what does the future hold for you? I mean, do you feel like in terms of your content, I mean, I imagine, is it still mostly going to be books and then the newsletter or still the blog? Or It's mostly my newsletter. Um, yeah. Like right now, we've been looking for a new apartment. When I bought right. my current apartment, everybody wanted to see pictures of it. They wanted to see all this stuff. And it started going, I started writing about it on my blog and then it went horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stopped posting about it and I had a nervous breakdown and um, I had a very, very bad experience. And people were harassing me like, we need pictures. <laughs> anyway, fast forward to today. I'm like, you know what? I can put these pictures up. I, sh- I'm, I have a blog, a newsletter post ready. I have, I found all these pictures of renovating the apartment. I had hair and, you know, my hair was like down to here. And all this. <laughs> but it was like, I was like, wow, now I can show these things. And I'm writing about looking for an apartment in Paris. Um, but these are all... Um, you know, things that people have to sign up for. They're not just out on the internet. And, you know, one of the reasons people were saying to me, you know, where are we going to see the kitchen reveal? I'm like, I'm not doing that mm-hmm. because, you know, you put a picture on the internet of your kitchen. One's like, you're going to hate that stove. Oh, I had the same floors. And <laughs> yeah. like within six months, they, and you're like, okay, I just had a, you know, I went, had a nervous breakdown. I've been in therapy for two years. Yeah. And now you're telling me the knobs on my stove are going to fall off. I mean, and you more than anyone, I think, were harassed by your commenters. I mean, you had great commenters, but you also, I mean, feels like over the years they could just be so intense because you, so many people were so invested in what you were doing. Um, but I feel like you, you took a lot on to engage with all of your commenters over the years. Well, that's, I mean, the good thing, you know, once again about Substack is people have to make a commitment to follow you. Right. It's not, you know, it's not like they can just stop by. And once again, the newsletter is free. People mm-hmm. have to sign up. Yeah. So, well, um, yeah. So tell people how to sign up. So is it David DavidLibovitz.substack.com? Is that how they find Amateur it? Gourmet. At <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, it's just your name, right? That's how people sign yeah. up. If you just go to my, if you just go on, you know, Google, um, just type David Leibovitz Substack, you'll find yeah. it, or you go to my blog and there's sign up forms there. Um, but it's fun and I'm having a great time and there's a lot of stuff. I'm fi- I'm really energized about it and I'm loving writing about this apartment search because- Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to read about where you wind up. Well, we, yeah, we just had a big um, dust up about something, oh. but I can't write about it yet. I'll tell you after we, I'll write about it later, but- um, okay. Um, well, this this interview is going to actually go up today, so oh, um, I'm going to share it 
pretty quickly because I do my other ones on Thursdays. So get ready to have this out there. But thank you so much, David, for um, okay. taking your evening and my morning, um, taking some time to talk about this. Okay, well, it's always great to talk to you. And like I said, I've, I think I've known you maybe for 20 years now. I can't believe it. Yeah. Do you remember I made a video? I mean, that's a keep going, but I can't, you came to New York and I made a video of us walking around the Union Square Green Market and you were giving a tour. I think it's on YouTube. That was, I think that's when I first met you and that was probably 20 years ago. So you look exactly the same. No, no. I'm, yes. I have a good filter on. I actually do have a filter on my Zoom preferences. You can have it do like a beauty filter. So just, oh. you know. I yeah. didn't know. I just, <laughs> yeah. You didn't tell me. Can we start all over again? Yeah, let's start it again. All right, David. Well, have a great uh, evening and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.